Welcome into Smooth Operators with your hosts, Noah, Griggs, and Ben, going through the world of Formula One. If you want to interact with the show today, you can tweet at us at Noah underscore Phillips, at Junior underscore McClurkin, and at the Griggs B. It's time for the green flag, and it's lights out, and away we go. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a balmy Friday afternoon from the Bradley Basin studio at WEGL. And I am joined by my co-host, Griggs Blankenberg, Noah Phillips. We are back after hiatus, and we are ready to bring you some more Formula One news and other information and conversation. Yes, welcome back. Season two of Smooth Operators, our first full-length season. It's going to be this one because we didn't start right at the beginning of last school year. But, gentlemen, we are back again. And while there weren't any races over break, over our hiatus, there was a lot, a lot of F1 news, which we'll be sure to talk about today. Again, this is Smooth Operators here on Weagle 91.1 FM. And welcome in Noah now, who hasn't talked yet. Noah rocking the F1 merch. Must have cost about $100. Uh, 75 actually. Wow. Thank you to my Whoa. Bargain. cousin that bought me this, Chase Paramore, that coaches out in lovely Iowa. Bet you didn't expect that, Iowa. Shout out Chase Paramore. Exactly. Hey, I, uh, alumni of Providence Christian High School, just like that Ben McClurkin over there. Hello. <laughs> we love the Paramore family. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't know y'all were related. That's really cool. Yeah, but you didn't. You don't know anything about me, Ben. Small world. Anyways, let's just jump <laughs> right into it first. Let's start off with the news that's kind of taken the F1 world by storm the past week. It is the Andretti and Cadillac controversy, or not really controversy, just well, just general upsetness. Yeah, within status the status quo from the Europeans. So basically, if you've missed it, um, Michael Andretti, the son of Mario Andretti, the uh, world champion of F1 back in, what, the 70s or 60s? Uh, yeah, he won in 1978. Yes. Uh, they have submitted uh, – the Andretti racing team um, has submitted a bid with uh, General Motors, specifically Cadillac, to enter a team into Formula One. That has caused a lot of backlash amongst the other F1 teams, specifically the European teams. I'm not really, I've not really any heard of Haas going out against them, with mainly McLaren and Alpine – being allies against them again but anyone want to jump in anything i missed right off the bat just general info yeah so um basically their their backlash is because f1 had promised all of the teams a 200 million dollar pot like a collective pot every team gets 200 million dollars and whatever the most winning team is gets the most the largest chunk and then the worst team gets the smallest chunk and adding a new team into the fold would dilute that 200 million dollars and so would give them less money also before cadillac was announced the complaint against andretti was that andretti's not a legitimate um works team and they would have to be a customer team and f1 didn't really need i would i would stand by that f1 didn't really need another customer team but now that they have gm support which is one of the largest automakers in the world and the largest in America. Yes. It's it's hard to deny that they are serious about entering. I just I'm not a fan of the way Europe has responded. I think they I think they're really mad at the fact also mainly what you're saying revenue sharing, but yeah. also the fact that they're not going to be they're not going to have um I don't think they'd enter an 11th team without a 12th, right? 
Uh, they have in the past, so there have been. I guess you could do odd numbers since technically you yeah. need two drivers. Well, so I mean, I yeah, yeah. The there, there would be a twenty-two car grid. At some points, there was even a twenty-three or twenty-four car grid when some teams could only field one car back in the days of pre-qualifying. But that's over with, and now every team gets a shot to qualify. Um, that said, it, it's just gonna be it's gonna be a lot more competitive, and I would. I would look forward to that. Somebody to shake it up a little bit. If they're a back marker first two seasons, that's pretty much expected, though. I was about to say, Ben, do you really trust Detroit to make fast cars? Uh, no, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you do. we do not trust Detroit. Chevy right? has been running Indy cars since, Yes, know, the American. The dawn of Indy. They the literally American, were the first company to race there. The uh, American open world or open wheel circuit cadillac has been very successful in endurance racing in the past they have but they're racing at daytona this year i believe cadillac can make great cars that can last a long time i don't think they can make that fast of cars and i think when they join they're going to end up being a back marker for more than one or two years i think they're going to be a back marker for a long time to come because uh i love marco andretti he's been great across indycar everything he's really touched his boots into even SRX, Superstar Racing. I don't know if he's going to be able to be that competitive in F1, especially with the Cadillac engine. Well, here's the thing, right? With with Cadillac, they are capable of building great engines, and Chevy as well. Um, think about the uh, Blackwing engine, for example. Cadillac has, for a long time, made the most powerful sedans in the world. Um, a sedan, not an open-world car. Wheel car, Jesus well, hear me out, right? They're capable of building compact engines to be very powerful. The Blackwing is only maybe 4.3 liters. It's not huge. Um, in other in other motorsports, Cadillac builds, you know, 750 horsepower endurance racing engines. Those are those are classic examples of how they can build a strong, fast, and durable car, right? So when you build something for Formula One, you want it to last a whole season or at least be able to last four or five or six races. You know, even even with power unit swaps, they only do that because they see a decrease in power. It's not because the engines can't run anymore unless you're Ferrari, then they catch on fire. <laughs> wow. But wow. You knew he was going to we got to throw something in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Little little Ferrari burn. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> um but yeah, I I think I think with with a very very serious amount of resources both economic and developmentally speaking, Cadillac can put in as much time and as much money into building a very, very good engine in four years, three years, as they want to. And I think if they put all their weight behind it, they could be a really good competitive engine manufacturer. I, what I'm worried about is the aerodynamic side of the car. And I'll go ahead and throw this in here too. Uh, when you look at the new stuff F1 has incorporated into their uh, strategic fields or how they decide the rules, you look at the stuff like the cost cap and everything mm-hmm. like that. Then you go look at a series like NASCAR who has changed their car exclusively to bring in new uh, dealers and uh, new cars into the field, more people. Yeah, It's kind of a shame that has not been uh, achieved in NASCAR, but – in just two short years of Formula One changing up their rules, they've already got a new uh, sponsor looking to take over. Yeah, they almost had Porsche too. They landed Audi. 
They almost got Porsche. Alfa Romeo will be out after next season, and Audi will be taking over at Sauber. But instead of it just being a Sauber car that's being badged as an Alfa Romeo, Audi's going to have some insight into the development. And I think F1's doing a great job of attracting new manufacturers because it is the biggest stage in motor racing. And NASCAR being more of a spec series now will help in the long run. It's just hard for people to quantify that investment if you haven't seen a significant jump in uh, return. Do you think that cost cap is going to help F1 a lot with bringing people in? Uh, I would say so. I think once once they have the the manufacturer support that they're looking for, whether it's from existing teams or new competitors, I think once they have that, they can really ease back on the cost cap and see an increase in competition. Going off again, well, a little bit of what you were saying, Ben, earlier about the revenue sharing from the teams, I think the main portion from what I was reading is what they're scared of, and I think it's rightfully a good reason why they're scared is that this new all-American-based, all-American team would take away from the American sponsorships from other cars, i.e. maybe like a Google from a um, on the McLaren that would be taken away. Hmm. Some of these like American-owned oil companies. I've, Shell's American, right? Uh, yes, but Shell has been a long-term sponsor of Ferrari. Yeah, not really them, but like other companies like an Amazon type of thing. Yeah, AWS. Well, you think that's a valid? Can, that's one of the main reasons, or are they just more concerned with splitting like prize money? I, I think they're mostly concerned with the prize money. The sponsorships they pretty much land on their own, anyways. Haas is an American manufacturer with primarily German sponsorship. Like, I, I just don't, I don't see that being the biggest concern being that they're American, I think the biggest concern is, you know, they're going to get a smaller slice of pie at the end of the day. And if they don't want to share, then, you know, that's that's their prerogative. But, you know, Alpine and McLaren are already smaller budget teams, so they do need those sponsorships more than the bigger budget teams such as Mercedes or Ferrari. But I think at the end of the day, what what it comes down to is those companies being able to land sponsorships with outside sources on their own if they can't do that then they shouldn't be competitors in f1 in in the first place so if andretti gets this bid, i know Noah's about to say something when's like the most reasonable time where they think let's see if they get that bid finalized before the start of this next season do they start in 24 or do they have to wait till 25 well you know they're not going to get a works engine built by cadillac until 26 probably just just because that would makes sense from an investment standpoint because that's going to be the next major engine rate regulation change so they'd probably if they wanted to be in as soon as 25 they would need to sign an engine deal with honda or renault or mercedes or ferrari okay no you're about to say something before I and that. i'll add on to that it's such a logistics nightmare to be in formula one you know, they always said, if you want to make a billion in racing, start out as a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. to, for them to get everything under control that they'll need to get their stuff from place A to place B, back down to D through C, you know, to do all that stuff, it's going to take them a long time just to even get a quarter of that logistics stuff done. Yeah, they're going to have – they're going to spend a year and a half building up infrastructure. Fortunately, they've already got wind tunnels and dynamometers and all that stuff. 
through Cadillac, but before that, I wasn't so sure that they'd be able to make it as a team. What if F1 teams are actually more scared that they're going to incorporate a Detroit street race? What if that's the main concern? I really hope not. <laughs> they're going to oh, Belle Isle? Goodness. Please no. Uh, that's the main reason. That's why. Well, that's going to do it for our first segment. I unfortunately have to go. I have a meeting to get to. But when we come back, Noah and Ben are going to be talking about the crazy world of the team principal market. What? What? We usually talk about the driver market on the show. No, but crazy offseason for team principals. But don't go anywhere. You're listening to Smooth Operators here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Hello and welcome back into Smooth Operators, where me and Ben are going to be talking about the new team principal or principals that have come in into the F1 landscape. Unfortunately, Griggs did just have to leave. You didn't hear it in the last segment, but me and Ben are going to continue walking through the wonderful, wonderful world of Formula One. Yeah, we're holding down the fort out here. We can hold our own. We don't need Griggs. We are holding down the fort. And I think, uh, Ben, we are going to start off with, of course, the greatest team, the most historic team in Formula One, that being Ferrari. Uh, starting off, they got rid of uh, the man with a bland. And uh, Martin, I don't even know how to say his name. You're going to say that one, Ben. Mattia Bonato. Mattia Bonato. Yeah, he like, was good he were assigned, quote unquote. I'm terrible at sounding out these European names, as it's you might okay. be able to tell by my southern accent. But they have appointed Fred Vasseur. Yeah. I said that right. Yes, Frederick Vasseur. Yeah, so there have been a lot of changes in the principal market. And, you know, that's pretty unusual. But uh, Frederick Vasseur, I I don't know. Uh, Alfa Romeo is where he has come from. And they have not exactly impressed me in the past two years that he's been there as team principal obviously it's a natural natural chain of progression to go from a ferrari backed team to ferrari but i don't know i think they should they should have looked elsewhere jean tot is still alive and well and he brought them so much success with your hero michael schumacher uh, back in the 2000s and he's he's been really good for a number of years. Um, and Ross Braun also, who uh, brought Mercedes great success along with Braun GP uh, in the 2010s. Um, those guys both would be great options or would have been great options, but Fred Vasseur is the guy that Ferrari has decided to move forward with. Um, he brings some experience to the table. He's a pretty liked guy. I think it also just is Ferrari's corporate structure right now, having a CEO and other people who aren't as involved in F1, and they just think that good leadership is good leadership, and understanding F1 is kind of different. Yeah, and of course, the CEO is also focusing on the endurance stuff that they're fixing to re-enter yeah. into. Um, according to this, uh, Ferrari's official website, but there are also – uh, claimed the GP2 series in both 2005 with Rico or Nico Rosberg and 2006 with Lewis Hamilton, uh, of course, fostering that driver talent 
So you got to think they're also thinking about the uh, future of their drivers. Charles sure Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. Yep. Yeah. Two really good guys that I think they want to continue building and continue to make better for the future for hmm. the brand of Ferrari. Hmm. He was also the team principal of Renault back in 2016. That was, was that a good year for them? That was one of Renault's worst years. I was about to say. That was when they, I think that's when they came back. Uh, he was fired and then replaced by the now departed, um, what's his name? Goodness. You know who I'm talking about. The uh, the best guy from Drive to Survive, from Renault. You, you know what I'm talking about? I think I know what you're talking about. Daniel, that guy. Dan, Dan, yeah, well, here's the thing you got to realize. Bro. Anyways. I don't have Netflix. Okay. So I've not watched a single bit of Drive to Survive. Well, we will have a watch party. I was about to say, that may, may sound like anti-Formula One right there, but hey, I ain't got that much money. Unlike these other Formula One teams that are – being able to dive into new team principles yeah. and basically replace their head coaches. Yeah. So, so sorry. Uh, back to the Renault thing. Fred Vassour rep- was replaced by Cyril Abitable, who has been replaced by Altmar Safnauer. Those are all hard names, and I had to look up how to pronounce it. I'm sorry, guys. But, yeah, they're making pretty decent coin over there as team principals. And speaking of, the guy who used to be at – McLaren, Andreas Seidel, has gotten a little promotion and he's gotten a new job over at Alfa Romeo taking over for Fred um, as team principal. Andreas Seidel has had lots of experience with McLaren and has been fairly successful with them. Um, He's a pretty hot talent in the managerial world and he's a very good strategist as well. Yes, and I I do think the biggest thing for him right now going over to Alfa Romeo is making sure Joe Grandu gets good development talent and uh, make sure he's making uh, get giving him good decisions on the track, making sure he's able to not only display his talent but build some up, being that he could be one of the kids that's the future of the sport. Mm-hmm. And I think that when it becomes Audi – I think Seidel's going to see some real results. Um, I don't know about how the driver lineup is going to stay or change. Um, there's a lot of really good talent in the Ferrari Academy um, that could come up and replace either Valtteri or Joe. But no matter what happens, Seidel's going to be in a very high position here, and he's going to do great things. Yes, you know, it's Alfa Romeo is not one of the top teams, but – they are a team with a lot of history mm-hmm. and can, of course, not win races but get points pretty regularly. Yeah. Sauber has had a great history, and I think now they're going to be better off than they were with BMW, money-wise. Yeah, I think BMW is going to throw a lot of money in Sauber, which is going to be awesome to watch. Yeah. Let's see. Who is who is going in for Williams? I don't think – have they uh, got a hire for that yet? Have they gotten a hire? I don't think they have. I think they're still looking for options. James Vowles has just been announced. Uh, that's breaking news. Well, um, look at us, Ben. Look at that. Look at us. He has been announced. This was published today. Um. Uh, wow. Okay. I have no idea who he is. Uh, Just Capito was fired kind of prematurely. Uh, James has had a long career with Mercedes since they were founded, according to the Williams website. 
Um, he worked at Honda, Braun GP, and BAR, British American Racing. What's funny about British American, this is a sidebar a little bit, but it's a subsidiary of the British American Tobacco Company, which now sponsors William. As uh, if you ever see the uh, A Better Tomorrow sponsorship, yeah, that's British American Tobacco. So mm. smoking has not left the well, paddock say, yet. Well, that's kind of weird. How are they able to replace that as a tobacco? I thought they were well, it's a little scummy, wiped isn't it? Out. Yeah, <clears throat> that's yeah. wild. Yep. And uh, anyways, so <clears throat> New Williams guy has had a lot of uh, a lot of results. Uh, he was okay. Yeah, he was the guy that was the chief strategist when Jensen Button won his world championship in 2009 with Braun GP. That was the year they had that legendary double diffuser. Yep. That was crazy. Anyways, uh, Cinderella story from buying giant Honda to being super small company, and now this guy, chief strategist there, is taking over at Williams. So he's going to have his hand in the strategy. I guarantee it. Team principals normally don't, but this dude will be. He's on top of things. I'm excited. Yes, but he's taking over such a uh, bottom feeder of the Formula One world. He's going to have to work a complete miracle to consistently get this Williams car in the points, which, I mean, going over some of his uh, resume, it might looks like he can do that. It's impressive. It's impressive. Also, in uh, team principal transfers, well, I guess that covers all four of them, doesn't it? Did we talk about McLaren? Oh, yeah. McLaren. I forgot. Basically, they just promoted the uh, technical director to team principal. Not super groundbreaking news or anything, but it's. I think it's a natural loss losing Andreas Seidel for Williams, but, but um, promoting. Stella is a Andreas Se- Andreas Stella is the name of the guy and it's a natural progression it really is they didn't need to outsource Andreas Stella has been with McLaren for a while now and I think things will go well for him and obviously he'll being there for a long time he knows how the things work he knows where the offices are he knows where the restrooms are mm-hmm. he just knows the building inside and out and he probably knows that car inside and out and he's going to be able to do a wonderful of keeping talent where it needs to be you know obviously they're losing their uh big market market driver in daniel ricardo trying to replace that's gonna i'm i'm still surprised they got rid of him because he was just such a marketable face and brings in probably so much money for mclaren probably is the reason some people are driving mclarens right now in europe and i just don't know if oscar piastri is going to be able to fill those boots he's Piastri's going to sell cars on Sunday. I, I think he's got the speed and the talent. Um, it's going to what, – what, what's going to be interesting for McLaren is how they manage the competitive talents of um, Lando and Oscar because they're both very, very good drivers and they're very quick. And Lando has started to overcome some of his consistency issues as well. So if Piastri goes out and has a stellar rookie season, Lando might have to worry about his seat. And I'd be excited to see something like that. Yeah, Daniel was a liked guy, but his past two seasons, he's really struggled, and adapting with a car is just part of your job. And if you don't get a car designed for you, 
that's a part of life, you know. I mean, Sergio Perez did great with a car that wasn't adapted for him last season. And, you know, this season was a little bit tougher for him, but he still did pretty well and rebounded. But I don't know. I think Daniel Ricciardo going to Red Bull has been a good good little change for him. It'll be a nice change of pace. And obviously he'll be the reserve driver. He won't be in front of as many cameras. Right. You know, that's going to be a tough uh, thing for him and the F1 world, in my opinion, because he's just so marketable. It's like looking at an actual – since we're here at all, it's like looking at Aubie. He's kind of been the mascot for Formula One, in my opinion. Yeah. And um, I I wouldn't be surprised here in, I don't know, maybe 10 years after he stopped driving. I wouldn't be surprised if Sky Sports immediately offered him a job. I don't even think it'll take 10 years. I mean, look at uh, Paul DeResta, for example. He stopped driving in 2016, and he's got a job. I don't I – don't, Oh, I think it'll be the second. Turnover is pretty quick. I think it'll be the second he steps out of the car whenever he decides to retire. Yeah, I I don't know if he's going to be a color guy or what, but I'd I'd be very surprised they didn't give him a a uh, contract immediately. He's not British though. Yeah, but like, name another British guy that's been real marketable these past couple years. Uh. Nobody really besides, you know, Lewis Hamilton. Lewis doesn't George have – George Russell. Lewis or George does not have the – Lando Norris. Broadcast journalism in him. Lando does. Do. Lando does Twitch streams. Yes, but I don't know what – He's got a good – he's he's yeah. a nice guy. I like yeah. him. I like him. Uh, you know, nobody that's retired recently, but nobody that's been British has retired recently. I mean, Jensen Button still comes on, and he retired like, I don't know, six years ago. Yeah, yeah, he has, but, you know, what what is that? What are you reaching for? Tripod. All right, then. Well, well it's coming about commercial time. Ben, do you want to say anything before we go to commercial? Uh, No, I have no predictions. There's nothing really to get super <laughs> pumped up about or rile up the uh, fans about. But you know what? I will say uh, I'm very happy to be back. Me too. Well, we're going to take a quick Two-minute PSA break. When we get back, we're going to be taking an even further look into the world of Formula One. Don't go anywhere, folks. Don't touch that radio dial. Don't touch that pause button. We'll be right back here in a second. And welcome back to the Smooth Operators Podcast. I'm your good friend, Ben McClurkin. Sitting alongside me is my other good friend, Noah Phillips. And we were just vibing out today on a chilly, chilly Friday. And uh, here to talk to you more about some great Formula One news. Okay, as we touched on before the break, uh, Williams has just signed James Vowles to be the new team principal. Um, And we'll talk a little bit about the impacts that that has on the team, and then we'll get into some other stuff later on. But I just want to jump right into it. You know, he he is going to be a difference maker at Williams, and I think Williams has learned from their mistakes. Um, it was concerning in the last two seasons how quick they were to blame somebody for their problems and not really look at the structure, foundation of the program. So, like, you know when you got a coach that's doing bad, but really all of his coordinators suck and he's not really that terrible? Yeah, but – 
With F1, it's a little bit different because you are in control of everything. It's not where, you know, Bill Parcells uh, <laughs> yeah. is just doing the offense and Bill Belichick's doing the defense. It's a little bit different. Yeah, so it's like it's like blaming Bill Belichick for the offense is, is yeah. essentially what's what has happened at Williams. Um, and, and so what they're doing now is instead of making – with their last team principal, Josh Capito, who is pretty well-liked, he had to run the F1 team and run the brand. He had to be the CEO of Williams at the same time. Also, he had to answer to Doralton Capital, their financial backing. And so, basically, he was trying to run a corporation and answer to a bigger corporation and run a Formula One team. So, none of that will be going on with James. All he has to do is run the team. He's not the CEO He's not in charge of anything other than Sundays and Saturdays and Fridays and Thursdays. That's it, which is going to be, I think, a good, I think, a good improvement. You know, it's kind of like how Auburn has signed Cadillac Williams into his job. Yeah. Um, I, he's just going to be in charge of making sure everything goes well, and not, not making the, the, car go the buyers happy. Yeah. yeah, not making the money people happy. He's not. I, he's not the booster guy. I would. I don't know how I feel about that, because sure, you know, you're not in control. You're only in control of a, a certain amount, a certain thing, and you can focus on that a lot more. But when you have somebody at the top who maybe isn't like in direct control of everything, but still has some like authority over it, yeah, it allows you to be more uh, cohesive. Yeah, you know. Because at the end of the day, you know, your head coach still has to be your head coach. Right. You can't have too many chiefs at the top, as a wise woman once told me, that being my mother. Um, you can only have one chief. Shout out Noah's mom. Yes. Hello, mom. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, you can't have too many chiefs over the whole project. If no. you have somebody that's just there for one portion of it, that's the weekend part, that's great. But he still needs to have somebody, you know, because eventually you're going to get a car there on Friday where it's like, oh, this is not what I thought I was going to get at all. And you're going to have to answer to somebody for that. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The good news is is that it, it's not going to be his job to do that for the the money people. Um, they just They just said run the team. That's all you have to do. And they're putting it in his hands. And I respect that a lot. He's done really good things with Mercedes, and it shows a lot of trust. And it it shows that they're moving away from just you know, kind of what Ferrari's done in the past few years. Whenever they have a downturn, they don't look at the structure or the the culture that's going on inside of Ferrari. All they do is they say this is the team principal's fault, and they never give them enough power to make any changes. And that was kind of what was going on at Williams. So I'm glad to see that they're moving away from that. Well, a big thing about Ferrari is you don't have an Enzo anymore, and you don't have an Enzo anywhere in the world No, that's really able to uh, build a car that can be put on track like that and lead people. And I think that's very hard to even achieve to be an Enzo, and that's why Ferrari is so backwards. That's so hard for me to say. But because we think a team principal should be an Enzo. Yeah, we're not going to get one. Yeah, and and the last Enzo they had wasn't an Italian. 
he was French. Well, you know, and that's that's another that's another issue is they they look they try to look for people and the way Ferrari works right now is they have corporate buyers and they have the the basically the F1 team has to sell Ferrari to Ferrari and that creates for a very very difficult culture to work with and try and restructure a team with because you have to say hey we need major changes and major investment in something that that the uh, corporate folks are going to say looks fine and it's doing well i mean you know we're getting second and third place but internally you have issues when you can't make the changes that you need because you have to answer to somebody else and i think that's going to be good for williams is they they're james has just he has the ability to make the changes that he needs to without having to s- seek approval of Williams or of Doralton Capital. So I think that's going to help them out a lot. The only issue that this may arise is eventually you got to have money. Yeah. And I know you and Griggs like to joke about less stickers equal faster car, but them stickers help out a lot. Yeah. And not being in direct conversation with the money people may hurt your car development in the long term or even your driver development. You yeah. Know? Money makes the gas pedal go harder. I don't know how the financial arrangement works. I think I think if they see results, then obviously there's going to be a boost later on. But what, what I'm wondering is how, how they're going to be with Williams, the, the investors. Are they going to say, here's a blank check, take what you need? Or are they going to say, here's your budget, you have the smallest budget or the second smallest budget of any team right now. You do with it what you can, and if it doesn't work, you get blamed. And that's what happened last season. If they if they don't learn from that, they're going to be stuck in this trend of being last or second to last. And I really hope to see improvement with the culture there. Yeah, and a big part of culture is making sure you get the correct guys in. Yeah. You know, from head to toe, from your yeah. team principal all the way down to your uh, lowliest tire changer. You know, you got to have the correct guys that are bought into a system. And that's kind of, I'd like to say, an American thought because, you know, that's how we feel about football and baseball and basketball and all that is you have to have guys that are bought into a culture. Yeah. But really it's the most important thing for any sort of team aspect. Mm-hmm. Like even here at Weagle, you know, we're all bought into – the legal what? No, I'm, I don't think we have a legal way of thinking. Well, I mean, yeah, we, we it's, like something, <laughs> it's something that we care about and something we want to see better. Exactly. And exactly. and when you have people who are stuck in a culture of where they're afraid of their job being taken from them or or not not have that security, like like Bonato, for example, his struggle was because he didn't have job security. He never did. He was never promised job security. He was never promised the ability to make the personnel changes that he needed. So he was never truly the boss. He was just the scapegoat. Yeah. And if they if they do the same thing to Frank, then, I mean, it's going to happen the same way. You know, there's going to be a underperforming season. And Ferrari just fired their team principal after they got second place. Yes, but it's also been a – we were seventh, to what, two years ago? Yeah. We were seventh – two years ago we – we're kind of underperformed the season before that, you know. They had a really good 2019, really bad 2020, really bad 2021. Yeah. I mean, for Ferrari standards, yeah. you know, relative investment. Speaking. Yeah, yeah, like the money they, that they spend isn't paying out. Yeah. And 
they got second place, they started to see improvement, and then they fire the guy. It's like, it's like, okay, how how are you? Why don't you just let him make the changes that he needs to? No, is that your wallet? It is my wallet. Nice. Dang, that thing is huge. Thank you. My wallet is huge. I'll try. Thank you. Thank you, Bard. Thank you. Thanks, Bard. Thank you. I guess I left my. See, the problem is I'm wearing shorts. Uh, like I bought these new Adidas shorts and I like don't have pockets. I do like those shorts. Thank you. They're like not even to my kneecaps. It's awesome. <laughs> it's great. Uh, Noah's got fat stacks and short shorts. I do. Uh, no, it's actually just because like I try to keep a Joker card from like every deck of cards I ever see, so I just steal the Joker out of it. Like it won't even be my. I have a Joker card in here from uh, my uh, ninth grade Spanish teacher that cool. I just took. What was your ninth grade Spanish teacher? I don't name? know. You don't know? No, it was online. Oh. Yeah. What? Yeah. You had but like we were in the room and like we had decks of cards. That's crazy. So I just like yeah. Just not just everybody can be Providence Christian school. All right. Uh, I mean, I had twenty people in my classroom. I don't think that's a flex. Not not everybody can be Latin learners. Uh, I didn't learn Latin past eighth grade. I didn't learn Latin at all. I mean, you could have. <laughs> You could have. I think they teach it as an elective. We don't know. Not not at Ayrton. Not at Ayrton. Not I know at- they do it other public schools. All right, we we got entirely off track. Yep. Good lord. Well, how did this start? Uh, your wallet. <laughs> it started, Speaking of it started wa- with the bard bringing your wallet hang on, in, hang on, in hang the on, middle got, of our show. Speaking got, of, okay, I got this, I got hit this. it, hit it. Speaking of wallets and cash, we were talking about the financial aspects of being a team principal in Formula One. The fat stacks. The fat stacks that it takes to make car go fast. Exactly, and, and one thing that I will say. Um, when Ferrari did really well, we'll just look in the past at Ferrari. When, when Ferrari did really well, the things that they did well were execute, they planned, and they were prepared. Those all sound very similar and intertwined, but what, what I saw this season is they show up good, and then they don't finish well, and they don't know what happens when other teams do something unexpected. Their flaw was not necessarily in a principle. It was in the entire structure built around the team. And if you have, if you have a weakness, you know, like, like a chain is only as strong as its weakest link, right? And Ferrari is a very, very big chain. And somewhere along the way, they forgot to check all the links. And whenever one of them cracked, the anchor fell off the boat. And you got no way to dock, no way to bring it home. And on Sundays, their car underperforms or their strategy gets dropped in, dropped in the toilet or the, something like that. The guy with the wheel gun decided he wasn't in a good mood that day. Yeah. Um, somebody forgot to bring out a wheel. Somebody forgot to wrench at home. How do you forget to bring out an entire wheel? They showed up for a pit stop with three tires. You can't do that. You can't afford to make those mistakes. Exactly. You have to prepare. Especially, you have to prepare. Especially when you're the historic uh, Ferrari team. Yeah. Your whole business model was sell cars to get faster on track when every other uh, 
company was company doing it backwards. Was doing the opposite of that. Go fast to sell cars. Ferrari's like, no, we care about racing. We, uh, we sell cars to go fast. And I think Ferrari, in a, in a sense, has lost their way. They really have. I mean, they're building SUVs now. Can you believe that? I can't believe it. But speaking of losing our way, <laughs> we are going to have to lose ourselves in this PSA break. When we get back. We're going to be talking about more Formula One stuff. I don't really know exactly what we're going to be talking about. We'll maybe, not out maybe not Ferrari. Maybe not Ferrari. Maybe we know how to Maybe enough. maybe we'll talk about the new Hoff sponsorship that they got. Ooh, let's think about that. Let's get into it. But don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be talking about that just after the break. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We are back for the last 15 minutes to talk about the wonderful, wonderful world of Formula One. And I think the first thing we're going to talk about is the new Haas sponsorship as they have brought another sticker onto the car. This time being their title sponsor, MoneyGram. MoneyGram. What is MoneyGram? Logan, do you know? That's right, folks. We got Logan in the studio right now as I turn his mic on. Whoop, whoop. I can't hear you. Hello? Your mic? Oh, you're yeah. On. There you go. You're on. Uh, got excited. Am I on now? Yeah, yes. there we go. Hey, money talks. Money talks from the money gram. No, I'm not turning on my mic the first time. Look at you. Yeah, this is why okay. I'm behind the desk on the other podcast. Exactly. Okay. On the wrestling podcast. <laughs> Second time is better. Oh, yeah. The WWEGL. Check it out. WW Formula One. That's what I'm thinking of. Uh, anyways, um, it's I, I, yeah. I wish they had picked up a cooler sponsor. It like appears, Venmo. It appears, yeah. I think MoneyGram <laughs> is basically just Venmo. But wait, it's, is it for American or is it like European? It, it's an American money transfer app. Oh, so that's really bad then. Yeah. Their Venmo website is an American team. When their website says with millions of downloads and three college-age kids don't know what it is, there's some concern there. Yeah, like the big three, Venmo, Cash App, PayPal, and you couldn't get one of them? No. I guess they don't care about Formula One. No, they don't. At least they don't, at least they're not sponsored by FTX. <laughs> True. <laughs> Rip. R.I.P. Yeah, Mercedes. We know what you've been doing. We're in on the secret. Are you okay over there, Noah? You look I a little stunned. My, my cousin was calling me. I don't know why. <laughs> was this kind of was this the cousin that got you the F1 hat? It is the cousin. That okay, got yeah. Me. Did oh, we mention that? that? I saw that when I was walking past. I'm like, that's a really cool hat. It is. It was seventy five dollars. I can't say that on air. What? I was going to say a, a wordy dirt. You know what I'm saying? Anyway. Anyways, um, so MoneyGram is going to be sponsoring Haas, bringing some big bucks, I guess. That they need. Uh, they're probably going to bring other people's bucks. Let's think about it, you know, because they're a bank. True. Uh, we- they make money off of other people's money, so other people's money is probably going to be going to Haas. So if you use MoneyGram, you support Haas directly or indirectly. You are a sponsor. <laughs> you make this happen. So and thank you. Ben, me, you, and Griggs talked about this on the last podcast before we went away for our uh, winter break. I said this especially. I thought Haas kind of run out of money midway through the year because of all the wrecks that Mick Schumacher was getting in. <laughs> that big wreck, of course, <laughs> in Jeddah and the big wreck, of course, in Monaco. So adding this new title sponsor might be very, very important for their development of the car. I mean, he only cost them $4 million. It, I, I no biggie. Estimate. But, I mean, you know, if your budget's $80 million, $60 million, $110 million, something like that, that's not really that big of a deal. 
Nope. You just got to get that car in the race, basically. Yeah. Speaking of coin, um, there's been a massive push. You know how we were talking about earlier, the uh, F1 teams really wanting more money in the collective pot. So they want to raise $200 million quite significantly. I don't have the exact number, but there have been – the rumor mill has been going and churning, and I believe they want – how much money is it? I'll give, you, I'll give you the figure in a second, but it is definitely more than $200 million. Um, and obviously, you know, they kind of deserve – you know, it takes $20 million to make one race car, probably even more. They kind of need some sort of big financial boost at the end of the season. Yeah, they do. Um, you got four minutes to figure this out, Ben. Come on. Four minutes. Four minutes. Come goodness. on. Four minutes. Four minutes of greatness. Four minutes of greatness. Okay, so. Four's up. While, while, four. we're, while we're talking about the number four, um, <laughs> four, Lando Norris will be competing against Oscar Piastri. Um, that's, that's all I got. Lando Norris is number four. Not only is he competing against Oscar Piastri, he's competing against the media that doesn't think he'll – no, I'm kidding. I don't know where else. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, goodness. Oh, wow. So, some people are calling the uh, Andretti team a cartel, <laughs> like a cartel-style team because that's how, that's how they run it. That's a uh, – oh, that's interesting. Well, have, have you ever watched uh, Marco Andretti, like, race? Mario Andretti? No, Marco. Marco Andretti. Yeah. Oh, the little one? Yeah, the little one. The Nino? Yeah. No, I haven't. Yeah, is he, he is he talented? He was pretty talented. Really? You know, he uh, ran a couple good starts in NASCAR. I haven't seen it, but that's awesome. Speaking of which, Kevin Harvick is going to retire at the end of this year, and me and Harrison Tarr will be crying. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember, don't stand in Tony Stewart's way. True. Um, that's interesting. What? One thing, you know what, we'll we'll go back. Can we circle back a little bit to uh, the Cadillac thing? Yes. One thing, one thing that I'm worried about is the last time Detroit was involved in F1, it was with Jaguar Ford, and they were terrible. I mean, terrible, terrible. Last place for the every season that they existed. Um, they... It just really were terrible, guys. And and w- when you look at a Detroit back team, they usually the fault the fault was with Jaguar. They they depended heavily on a corporate structure, which is not how F one works. And we talked about this earlier in the past segments. So when when you have a, a or Toyota, you know Toyota, Ford, those big companies, Honda that spend billions of dollars. Honda literally spent billions of dollars on their F1 team and saw no results because they th- they thought that it should have been run the way you run a corporation. F1 is not a corporation. It's very money driven, but it is not it is not a corporation. The the culture and the way you make things work with the drivers and the engineers and all of that is just completely different. So that's my biggest concern about the Cadillac entry. If they run it like a corporation, they will fail. And with that, and a great example of running your race team like a corporation is, uh, Ben, I'm sure you've seen it, the uh, Ford versus Ferrari movie. Yes. Exactly. When you look at Ford through the lens of their corporation and how they wanted to really stick their muddy hands into every little aspect of that car and who drove it and everything like that, Yeah. 
it really comes back to haunt you if you try to run a race team like a corporation. Yeah, and the only reason that Ford was successful was because they had a guy who didn't love corporate or running corporations, even though he was behind some of the biggest ones. Exactly. Um, exactly. Lee Iacocca, he was a rebel. You know, he was kind of a he was kind of a pot stir, and yeah. that's what he did, and he did that really well with Ford. Exactly, and all you need to be a great race team is to be anti-establishment. I'm kidding about that. Don't, don't yeah. take that. Eat the rich. Don't, don't quote me on that. But that is going to be all the time we have today. Logan, would you like to say anything before we leave? No. All right, then. Hit well, him with a no. That is going to be our show today, ladies and gentlemen. If you're listening on any podcast network, make sure in, uh, you're wondering if you want to listen to the show live. You can on Weagle 91.1 FM, either on the radio station or on our website, Weagle 91.1.com. But that is going to be all of our show today. We want to thank you for listening in. And as always, have a good one. That's all we have today for Smooth Operators, Weagle's exclusive F1 show. In case you missed some of the show or just want to relive all your favorite parts, check us out on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. Till next time, this has been the smoothest operators of Weagle 91.1 FM.